0: So I am here doing another Mandalorian discussion show, and I'm joined with two more guests, two fantastic individuals who I've done podcasts with before, and I've done Star Wars podcasts with before, but not together, introducing people across the podmosphere in the name of Star Wars. So I'm here with Ike of Ike's Flame. Ike, how are you doing? Good sir. Please tell people a little bit about the media you put out to do with the content that you put out.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I was super excited when Mike reached out. Um, always love to find others to talk Star Wars about um yeah so i uh, own podcast um ike's flame and we do star wars content and star wars deep dives um on characters and spend a whole 50 minutes talking about one character um and sometimes obscure characters but uh so we do some of that and uh we we've also dived into high republic stuff as well which I know me and Mike have bonded over a lot um, enjoying that. And so, yeah, so we just do a lot of Star Wars content each week and enjoy that. So, yeah, so you guys can check us out on anywhere you guys listen to podcasts. But yeah, Ice Flame and. Uh, more Star Wars stuff if you love Star Wars, which is probably why you'd be here anyways.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. I'll put links in the description. At the end, I'll let everyone plug as well uh, just to to make sure. But I wanted people to, especially you, Ike, because in these uh, weekly discussion shows, um, this is, I think, your first time on, so it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Whereas this next guest, Spider Dan, introduce yourself, good sir, but you've been on one of these, two of these discussion shows before, in fact.
2: Been on them all, all
0: of them. One of them I think you were meant to be on mine, but then you didn't and you on yes. someone else's. So what do you tell tell <laughs> people about controversy, that? some controversy, some controversy there? Um uh, I made too
2: many promises I can't keep them all. <laughs> I want to make everybody happy, but it's not possible to do that. Um so yes, uh, I'm Spider-Dan. I've uh, been discussing Star Wars now um as long as Mike's wanted to talk to me. Um <laughs> whenever that was. Uh we talked about the book of Boba Fett quite extensively. I was on quite a few of those, I remember. Um, I even I even helped out Mike when him and his co-host Jack couldn't do one of the Andor episodes. I stood in, uh, not as as well as either of them, but it, it was. Fine. You did a good it was job. Fine. You did a it good job. Is that right? right. Um, yes, uh, I've done a lot of Star Wars content myself on my podcast, Spider Down the Secret Wars. Uh, we've looked at maybe the lesser
0: respected or appreciated stuff, Wars very content. funny episodes to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> the the look- Star Wars holiday special and those and the Ewok movies with Angry uh, Andy <laughs> we did we did that's what I like to call the trilogy of terrible uh, <laughs> but
2: yeah um, and I, I've been on quite a few of the attention seeking geeks YouTube um, channel he does a lot of Star Wars content as well and I've been on there. And that's, and Mike and him had to fight over me. I was, I was being, I lost, pull, pulled in all these different directions. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I said, I said I'd, I'd happily be on all of these episodes afterwards to make up for it. But Mike was yeah. like, no, 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 I, I only wanted you on the one. I was like, all right, cheers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fine. It's hide whatever. And
2: yes I, very very high demand yeah. um but yeah but uh i'm i'm very i have to say i i loved andor i thought andor was incredible okay. but i will say it is nice to be back in this corner of the star wars universe
0: hmm. kind of easy almost easier watching in a lot of ways hmm. um it's one of those things where the, um with anyone else who's been checking out because all the guests so far have been different which is something i've not with Andor it was quite difficult because that went on for so many weeks you know but with this one it's uh, I've had a different set of guests each time and I'm still planning on doing that as well so that's the general goal because this time as much as I love talking to people about these shows one thing I found with the Andor discussions was there was occasional times where people repeat themselves which is fine you know because I asked generally the same kind of question for certain Mm. episodes. But with Andor, when especially when it was in arcs, it was like, Mm -hmm. well, I spoke to you last week, and this episode is basically the same as last week, because next Mm. week's when it finishes. So we're all just kind of saying, this is amazing and great in Andor, but I can't wait for next week. So it was like, I really wanted to make a specific effort, especially connecting with people like Ike and other people I haven't. Had as much time uh, to speak with about Star Wars as I would like. Because if it was up to me, as I'm sure if it was up to you two, uh, it, you wouldn't have day jobs. You would just kind of <laughs> spend literally eight to 10 hours a day podcasting and talking about nerdy stuff and just be yep. able to have like, get enough money from like sponsors and Patreons and stuff just to live and be able to do this. And then you could spend- only OnlyFans, you know. <laughs> whatever, pay- whatever pays the bills. <laughs> you want to see my weird feet? Let's do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got weird everything,
0: Mike. I got- (laughs) inside and out it's all weird apart from Uh, your voice Apart from your your voice, your voice is pretty good, pretty good for podcasting. But your weirdness of your podcast is actually one of the better things about it. Mm. So it's Mm. one of the appealing things. One thing I say to people about Spider Dan's podcast is as much like I I love your podcast as well. It's fantastic, especially if you want to deep dive into, as you say, certain characters. I was like, I want to know a bit more about Thrawn. And you just delve in, it's fantastic. So I will sing your praises there. But with Spider Dan, one thing I love about his uh, podcast is because he focuses a lot of the time on really weird and obscure movies, Mm -hmm. they're the kind of movies that not only have you not seen, you've never heard of so it's not one of those things like there's certain movie podcasts I like some of our friends do them and it's like they tackle a lot of these movies and you're like I want to listen to that, but I'm going to watch that movie at some point. So I can't. I need to wait until, like, until yeah. I'll watch a movie that everyone has seen. You know, I've been like The Crow. I hadn't seen The Crow mm-hmm. until like a couple months back, and then when I did, I was like, oh, if I can finally listen to that podcast. And three different people were like, well, there's this podcast and there's this podcast that everyone's <laughs> yeah. spoken about. It. With Spider Man, yeah. it's like, here's a film you've never heard of ever, and so you're yeah. probably never going to watch it. And it's like yeah. brilliant. So I can just listen to you talk about it and don't have to bother. And nobody else is ever going to cover it as well. So uh, Some of those <laughs> ones are, are very
2: off the wall. <laughs> it,
1: doesn't, it doesn't matter what you say, right? Nobody can correct you. Or no, because I, I
2: can make up whatever I want. I can be like,
0: yeah, he was he was married to the, the queen of Estonia, this actor. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, one of them you were adding to the IMDb pages, weren't you? Because there was barely any trivia. Yeah, I can't remember. I was thinking about that the other day. It was, I can't remember which one it was, but I was
2: like, this is annoying for me because this is usually my like Oh, uh, Terrifier 2, was it? yes you are correct mm. terrified too because i watched it because it only just come out quite recently and yes that no no it was terrifier in fact because mm. mm. i hadn't seen terrified too but the terrified to no, no. just come out and then i'd watched a load of panels about the actor and the director talking about it and i was like this is all really good shit it's nowhere to be found otherwise <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you know you could be like me watch an hour or 40 minutes of this panel
0: or could i just write that on and just go and add it and I was like yeah I'm just going to add it so there we go yeah so uh, anyone who goes OMDB of uh, Terrify a lot of it is Spider-Dan who's added. It. so if they're <laughs> wrong it's him it's him he's he's he secretly yeah. put oh yeah Spider-Dan the Secret board. he was in a cameo in this film he's in the background <laughs> so he's, Del- tre- he's tremendously well endowed for some reason it's
1: got nothing to do with the film but it's
2: just, that's what it's here for
0: um, yes yeah. he yeah, that, the that, sexiest that shoulder blade of all people mm. <laughs> just the one but a the other one, one is gruesome it's disturbed. It's disturbing. Yes, um,
2: yes. I, I that's that's my podcast in a nutshell. But but like your podcast sounds right up my street because I do like a good obscure character with a a unique and large backstory. So I will be subscribing as I'm sure everyone else will now.
0: Everyone else should. It's it here? It's a great time. Especially if you like my podcast where I do you know, deep diving into comics and the little sort of basically if your favorite part of my podcast is the bit where I go on a tangent about a random character. That's what Mike that's what Ike's show is. So if you like those yep. little tangents about characters, he magnifies that greatly. And because you and I, both Ike, we consume a lot of the written content as well of mm-hmm. Star Wars. It means that especially with the books, there's so much character depth in so many yeah. of the books. Yeah. So, with um, so with Mandalorian, we'll get into it. So, I uh, what I've been doing in these other episodes is I like to get people's general gist of how the live action shows have been doing. Now, I know obviously um, you came on my podcast, I came on yours, and it was really great. Mm-hmm. But just in case people haven't checked those out, I'll put links in the description and stuff. Yeah. How have you been finding the the live action shows? Obviously, you've got Andor, Kenobi, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian. How have you been finding them all in general? And from that question as well, were you excited for Mando Series Three?
1: Yeah, um, I really like them. Uh, I think it's been a nice change of pace from, like, animated, um, and I've loved to be able to get to see... It's been fun to see, like, uh, which am assuming we might talk about this later Spo- there's spoilers but, so yeah you can say whatever yeah, you want but uh characters that we saw in animated that now we're seeing in live action and so i think that's been really cool to see as well those characters brought to life a little more and uh getting to see w- more of their story. so like i've loved that that aspect of live action and with star wars and i think also it's brought a little more Especially I think of especially with like the Kenobi show and Andor and Mando, like, um, I think it's really brought more of like a movie Star Wars movie feel to our homes. Um, mm. in the sense of like we get to watch this and like it's it has definitely has a movie type feel to it that we haven't had had ha- haven't had that opportunity to really get with Star Wars until like live action which I've really enjoyed as well um when it comes to Mando season three I would I'm super pumped um, still am super pumped I'm still very intrigued with where all they're going but like I I will say, I think season three, I was most excited for, um, just because, and we are getting into some of this, like I'm a huge, I love kind of like we talked about, I love diving into like deep dives and lore and all that. And so like the fact that we're diving into some more in-depth Mandalorian lore, uh, for me is super fun. Um, and we're starting to see some of that. And I'm, I'm super intrigued to see where all this goes, um, with the dark saber with, um, the is it mythosaurus or yeah however you say that um as well and all those things like where are they going and the fact that like i was super excited when we got to return to mandalore um Mm -hmm. and even though it has been it's like wrecked and a mess like we still see the civic center and all that um so that's been super exciting for me just to see those and be able to dive into that i'm super excited to see where all this is leading and where they're going to go
0: amazing yeah and then uh, Dan same to you as well Mm. um, and how you've been I'll ask how you've been watching them in a moment because we'll we'll talk about I'll ask you and then we'll go back to Ike for how you think the season's been so far but just you as a recap of all the live action Star Wars stuff because you aren't as much of a super fan as we are but obviously you're still a Star Wars fan so please uh, inform us
2: Um, so I've, I've, I, for, for Book of Boba Fett that we did on the podcast, um, I, I surprised you because I said I hadn't seen any of it. (laughs) Um, so, and we'd booked it in and I was like, oh shit, I've got no time. So I literally just stayed up very late and I watched, I think within the space of a week, I watched the entire two seasons of The Mandalorian. And what, what a ride. What a ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, great fun. Everything I would have wanted. The main reason I avoided it was all the, oh, baby Yoda, baby Yoda. And I was like, fuck him. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just all over the show. And it's like, and, it, and there was a lot of spoilers and stuff. And I was like, it kind of, sometimes spoilers, you know, don't put me off. Sometimes I do. Sometimes if it's just in my face, and it was very much in my face. And I, that's all I thought it was. It was just about this green baby Yoda thing. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm that interested, but actually, once I actually watched it and got the context of the show, and it's this kind of lone wolf and cub style thing, um, you know, I I was fully on board with the kind of western aesthetic, the samurai aesthetic, the fantasy, you know, the sci-fi, all mixing together in this lovely gumbo pot of Star Wars brilliance. Um, Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Um, We've we talked about Book of Boba Fett, not my favorite um there was a few episodes of that that were just the Mandalorian which <laughs> and they were the
0: best ones <laughs> and they were the best ones you
2: know we we discussed it we and, and I, I would not be surprised because i know there was a joke going around that people are like people watching Mandalorian season 3 wondering where why baby Yoda is back Grogu's back with the Mandalorian and that literally happened i was like i think people are like what the fuck like, <laughs> they, like they, missed, they, they completely missed it because they didn't watch those two or three episodes of Boba Fett. Yeah. um and i wouldn't be surprised if they repackaged those episodes as like Mandalorian season three the prologue or something like that or the you know call it some other thing um and i, I wouldn't blame them to be honest uh but i i have to say like Andor absolutely blew me away like absolutely i was just, i was like I think we we said it on the show, it it was just an incredible show, incredible acting, tightly written, paced, structured, edge-of-your-seat kind of thrilling TV show, like up there with the best that TV has to offer for me. And I'm not a big TV show watcher, but for me, I was just almost every episode just blown away. I thought, this is amazing, what it's saying is amazing, the adventures, the heists, the prison breaks. Just all of it. Just like mm-hmm. I could, and I and I don't know if maybe if they do that again. Maybe if you did do the show again, maybe you would have to. Maybe you would do it in the arcs if they were going to do an arc. You think maybe you could break up the podcast that way or something. I'm not sure, yeah. but an idea if they're going to do it that way, if they're going to tell the story that way, maybe that's an idea. But um, yeah, and, but I'm I'm ve- I was very much on board. The first episode in uh, episode in you know I hear those musical cues the uh, I was like yeah I'm back. I'm yeah. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Give me what I want. And that first episode, bam, off to the races. Very happy. Second episode. Th- there's another episode, but it's <laughs> it, it's it's there. Well, tell but... us how you
0: watch them then, because you didn't watch oh. them like me. Me and like I assume I no. assume you were like watching them weekly, like most Star yeah. Wars fans. Dan mm-hmm. didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do that. Uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I I thought it's only tradition that I binge again the Star Wars shows. Uh, I I did I did do it for Andor actually, or did I do it for Andor? No, I think I did that again. I think I binged it again because it was like. Oh, you're gonna be on this podcast. I was like, oh yeah, I better watch it all quick. <laughs>
0: um, it's like so, a kid who um, hasn't had it in their homework, and it's oh, like the yeah. night before. And it's like, oh, no, <laughs> pretty quick.
2: Much like stay up late to do it. It'll be good. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, I, I watched uh, two episodes, then another two episodes, and then this one uh, last night. Um, and yeah, I, I've I've for the most part enjoyed what we've seen, what we've had, mm-hmm. the characters we've yeah. we've uh, been been reintroduced to. For me, like. Uh, you know, I've not watched Rebels yet, Mike. I know you think it's the best Star Wars content that ever has m- been made thus far. I've not watched it yet, but I'm going to. And also I want to take in the Bad Batch as well because I really liked those characters. But I did watch The Clone Wars. I did. I watched that show. My f- and the the moment that show got good for me is when they went to Mandalore and they started exploring the, the Mandalorian mm. culture, the planet, uh, is it? I want to say Satine. Is that yeah? yeah, yeah. Satine's there, the and and yeah. and her relationship with Obi Wan, and and just everything to do. So every time they went back to Mandalore, it was a Mandalore related thing. I was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, uh, this is what I'm here for. So so the fact that they are going back to Mandalore and there's there's stuff going on there, and there's a bit more of the mm-hmm. culture and this kind of um again, it's like a the Death Watch and stuff that was in yeah. that show as well. Um, I like that they're exploring that and. and Again, like, I'm not, um, you know me, Mike, I'm not a religious zealot. Um, But I think even I'm like, yeah, I could get behind this religion
1: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I, could, I could you know I, I get it i understand i i i you know it's I, I i grasp it and i go yeah i can see why they would want to believe that or think that or have, you know live by this code um so yeah and uh, there are there are some stuff there is some stuff in this episode i'm not entirely happy with but we'll get into that i'm sure
0: but uh, on the whole really enjoying it uh, it's fun to be back Amazing. Amazing. And I will just say with the comments on Mandalorian, um, as in the Mandalorian culture, yeah, people who are listening, Clone Wars has some incredible Mandalorian stuff. And I I agree with you, Dan. I think once Mandalorian uh, stuff comes into it and then that eventually bleeds in with the uh, Darth Maul stuff, that is, to me, top tier Star Wars. The finale Mm. of of the Clone Wars Season 7 is some of the best Star Wars, period. Mm. But Rebels, delves deeper, uh, maybe Mm. deeper than, yeah. style, than the Clone Wars does into Mandalorian culture because this isn't a spoiler Um, and also our friends who are really specific about spoilers they've seen Rebels because you know they're great um, but <laughs> Bo-Katan is very heavily in like a huge mm. part of her journey all the stuff that we see that's going on in Mandalorian right now like when does she have the Darksaber? How does she get it? Blah 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 that's all in Rebels it's yeah, it's good. all <laughs> explained and in depth because from episode one you notice of Rebels oh one of the main characters is wearing Mandalorian armor, but they don't mention it for quite a while. And why is that? And it all connects together with the purge and everything we see in this series. So, good shout there, uh, Dan, pointing that out. So, Ike, with yourself, how have you found up to this episode? The sort of the first half of season three of Mandalorian. Have you been uh, enjoying it a lot more than like the prior two seasons? Do you think it's on par? How, how have you felt up to this episode of the series so far?
1: Yeah, I think I, I think it's been on par. Um, I will say, I feel like a couple episodes were a little slow for me. Um, like the Foundling, like episode four was like, like I get the purpose of it, um, but it was a little slow. Um, and I, I mean, I love the Order sixty six scene um, <clears throat> as we get another one of those. <laughs> but like it, it's been on par. I think the biggest thing I've been super intrigued about is the. Is Bo Katan. Like, mm-hmm. Bo Katan has, like, extremely intrigued me in this series. Cause found even from the first point we saw her in episode one, I was kind of taken aback by how, like, how upset she was, how. How distant or like upset she was even at even was it Dinjarin, and so I think like that for me I was expecting because they'd work together they seem to work together pretty well and obviously there's that tension with the dark saber and Din having it and all that but I was still just surprised like how much tension there was there so it's been really intriguing to see kind of that arc of like where is Bo Katan going with this and then when we get Bo Katan technically joining the Watch which is that was like oh what just happened like mm. the end of that episode i'm like what did i just watch because that was like the last thing i would have ever expected and so like how they brought all this together so it's very intriguing and i think it's setting up for a really good back half of season three and so i think katan has been a super intrig- intriguing to me and just how they've p- painted her story how they've uh, laid her story arc out in that sense As well. Um, I think the other thing that's intrigued me, and I'm very, very interested, and I think one line, I think it was episode two, um, when they're on Mandalore and uh, Din's trying to get to the waters and all that. But when Baby Yoda or Grogu and um, Bo Katan are going back together after Din's kind of captured there by that spider droid thing. And they Bo Katan says something along the lines of to uh Grogu, like, hey, our people used to work together or are people like I know that and like but then there's also a history, especially if you get into like legends, like you know, old republic, like there's tension between Jedi and Mandalorians. Um, and like supposed like I mean with the dark Darksaber, you have like that whole um history of like the one Mandalorian Jedi and all this. And so I think like I've been very int- I'm very intrigued to see how baby groups or Grogu fits into all this in the sense of like, do they and they seem to accept him so far, but like, is there any tension from Mandalorians about having a force user in their midst? Um, because we've obviously seen him use the force and that sort of thing, and like when in this last episode when grogu got beskar um armor for their uh, outside of the um chain mail like that Din initially gave him like that intrigued me as well as like okay where's where is this going with that um because i think that that mix of jedi and mandalore um is very interesting and it has a very interesting history um and so i think that that's been a very intriguing part for me and to see where that goes um and especially when you have a character like Bob katan who has relationships with maul and ahsoka and other jedi and with duchess the team being her sister with obi-wan like you had she knows she's worked with a lot of jedi and so she knows jedi pretty well as well exp- and with the history so i like think all that is um it's just interesting to see how all that's playing together so far
0: Mm. very good points there very good points and it's something that I'd only really just thought about uh, is linking more with what you said is that a lot of people may not know this it's like a throwaway line in either Clone Wars or Rebels but the Mandalorian armor and their weapons is specifically it was initially designed to fight force users because in Legends <clears throat> there were the Mandalorian Wars and I've been getting into Legends a bit more recently but it was like thousands and thousands of years before the Skywalker saga the Mandalorians would fight the Jedi and it was a huge war that went on for a very very long period of time so like a lot of mandalorian armor like beskar can combat uh, weapons and armor can combat and are resistant to lightsabers a lot of the the jetpacks getting away flamethrowers are one of force users weaknesses because you can hold back a degree of flame but if you're surrounded by that you can't you can be the greatest swordsman in the world and deflect all these blaster bolts coming at you you very few force users could be able to surround themselves with like a shield against flamethrowers coming plus you know you see it a bit in the Clone Wars and things when bounty hunters go after certain Jedi or when there is fighting with the Mandalorians. Like, the wrist, uh, like, I don't know what to call it, like a lasso, like the harpoon gutty thing. You shoot mm-hmm. a wrist and ties people up. Like, that is real. When you're a Jedi and you're stuck like this, you can't get out of it. So it's like there's all these elements. And I think one thing that um, all the people who are now making Star Wars, who like John Favreau and Dave Filoni, mm, but also yeah. the High Republic authors as well, all of them grew up reading legends books or Mm -hmm. comics or those sorts of things so one of the big critiques of the new canon is people saying oh it's throwing away legends blah 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 and it's like no no they're rebuilding something and they're using elements from legends and we're we're getting people who've grown up consuming legends and they're Mm -hmm. feeding elements they enjoyed into aspects of the canon so i really really enjoy that and i think both of your insights there are, are really interesting with the religious connotations and mandalore and the force so We'll delve into this episode, and um, I enjoyed this episode. Like, I've enjoyed all the episodes of Mandalorian. Um, I think they've all been great. I think my least favourite is probably the one with uh, Elia, Kane, and Dr. Pershing. I didn't I didn't think that was a bad episode. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I really like the lore, and I love the whole ex-imperial stuff, and obviously we mm-hmm. can see that that's probably going to be the seeds that are feeding into what happened with the First Order, and obviously um, Elia is in this episode as well. And I, re- I that episode I did enjoy but it felt quite you know here's part one here's the middle bit here's part two do you know what I mean yeah. and this episode felt a little bit like that I feel like this is almost like an episode and a half kind of pushed together and although mm. I did enjoy it and it was full to the brim of stuff I, <laughs> I did have a little bit of issue with it because yeah. you know the big bad being Gory and Shard I was like Oh, that was quite easy. It was like there's a there's um, the YouTube channel pitch meetings, um, and it's like the one of the catchphrases. It's super easy, barely an mm. inconvenience. That's kind of what it felt like. I was like, oh no, this big bad. Oh, he's he's gone. Don't worry about it. It's like, yeah. the design of him was so cool, and he was such an interesting thing. I thought he was going to be like maybe a constant big bad. No, no, no. He's he's just in this one episode. And he's gone. And I was like, oh, is there anything else? No. One of his henchmen kind of bailed, and that's that's okay. He's fine. It's like oh, okay. So. We'll, we'll dot around everywhere um, because mm. this episode's got a lot of pits and pieces across. But we've, like, if we just start as a drop-off point, the pirates obviously attacking Navarro and the Pirate King, Gorian Shard, um, who... Cre- I love the design of that guy. I thought it was really, really interesting. <laughs> so, Dan, what did you think of the Pirate King and himself and the whole stuff with Navarro? Like, what were your kind of thoughts on those elements?
2: I... I thought it was interesting to see grief carga in. Um, I love that. He's got all these robes and he's like, I'm a high, you know, all this. <laughs> uh, and it's, but I loved in that previous episode where he's like, I can still fucking shoot you. Um, and I did, I appreciated the line where he's like, Oh, they shot first. I was like, Oh, <laughs> see what you've done there. Um, I love I love the design of the character. I think he's great. It's very interesting. It's kind of very old school. Like I, I think it looks like a practical effect to me. It looks like um, you know, a costume or a puppet of some kind. Um he, he does come across like that kind of classic pirate. And I like the way I, I like it when they do pirate stuff in sci-fi, but they add so many of the kind of pirate elements. Like mm. the way the ship moves is very like as it pivots. But, you know, yeah. in space, it feels like like a galleon or something as it as it turns and moves, which I really appreciated. Um, and I, I liked I liked that he uh, the Reef Carga is clearly like he sees through. He's like, you can't you can't bluff you out of this one. I know you. There's no way you There's nothing you've got. You've got no protection. Nobody's coming to help you. You want nothing to do with the Republic, the New Republic. Who? A look a looking very awful in this like they're not, <laughs> yeah. they not painted yeah. in a great light they're like they're like we're just a new empire fuck off we're not helping you um which is probably what you know that character who is kind of undermining everything is is kind of doing i can't remember the her name but uh yeah i i, I it was fun it's 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 very kind of cartoony like it's it but in a in, you know it's in a good way it's not like i'm not like you know, I'm not like, oh, ugh. you know, it's it's not something I I didn't enjoy because it's just it's fun and and that's why I feel about this season. There's a sense of fun to it. Like, obviously, there's some serious stuff and some you know intense or scary moments and things. And but I, I think it just feels fun. And I felt this episode was for the most part quite fun, very mm. serious. You know, obviously, there's. Um, I I thought the whole sequence of them, you know. Navarro being shot and destroyed. And it's quite interesting to see how far Navarro's come from mm, from yeah. that, those first few episodes, which is just like this kind of backwater planet with you know you know uh, it's tatooine stand-in if you will but it now feels like its own planet its own place it's got its own you know just ecosystem um you know it's a completely different world and place um and it's it's really kind of come around and and i like that you know Grief is that he actually cares about these people. He cares about, you know, these all of them are being shot and he's trying to convince them. He's like, We'll be safe. Help is coming. You know, he's not necessarily the character we met at the beginning of, of season one. Well, and I like that. I like that he yeah. has developed, he's changed, and and he's like, Yeah, be a lawman. Let's give you attractive land. Let's let's put you you know, you get to put down roots. You know, I'll put down roots here, you can do this. And and that's one of the more interesting things about this episode, the idea that. The Mandalorians can have a place called home, um, and and I like that aspect of it a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I I I dug it. It's you know it's you know it's, who doesn't love pirates? Mm. End of the day, who doesn't like if you can't like pirates are fun. It's fun, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I, it was for me. I was like space pirates. Episodes called the pirate. It's gonna be about pirates. But I have to say, my favorite character. In the entire episode, is what I carry. I don't know his name, but I'm going to call him Ugnaught Smee. <laughs> 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 who, is, who is the, the right hand man of, of Gorian Shard? And he's basically, you know, Smee to his Captain Hook. Uh, and he even looks like Smee. He's got the stripes. He's got the classic kind I didn't of. didn't think you know, that, pirate. but now
0: you've said it. It's,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's Ugnaught Smee. It's Ugnaught Smee. Oh, yeah. uh, and. I love it. <laughs> And yeah, I, I he was my favorite character in the whole thing because I was just like, they know exactly what they've done there. You know, yeah. Disney know what they're doing there. Um, yeah. but yeah, that that I've you know, that was that was fun for me. But yeah, on the whole, I I I thought the the idea, the threat, and and the peril of it and and it happening to this planet that has grown and, and developed, as well as grief cargo's relationship to it and the other characters, and we get a a brief mention of uh, Gina Carano's character, who's no longer here. Oh
0: no, she's all busy. <laughs> oh no, she's she's, she's gone. Bye. <laughs> she's not dead though, so if she, you know maybe she'll come back. But at the moment, no, she's really, really, really busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: really busy, so busy. <laughs> you were you with again. Uh But yeah, but no, I think I think this episode has been fun. It was a, again, it's off, kind of off to the races. They didn't mess around. They like
0: the big pirate ship shooting Navarro. Go and we're off. Mm. Yeah yeah ike your sort of thoughts on all that sort of general jazz and anything else you want to add yeah um i i totally agree and i think part of the reason i love this episode is i think they left a lot of loose
1: ends um there i mean not just i mean obviously we get the ending with the um shuttle that and all that with the mandalorian mm. pieces of armor in there um but we get a lot of loose ends because i think also like when we look at the pirate, honestly, I was a little disappointed because when they, the episode was named the pirate, I was like, "Are we getting Honda? Lot that's what I said to Mega. That was that was my first thought. I was like, Honda? but didn't happen. But um, which is okay. But that was my first thought. I was like, I was a little disappointed at the end of the episode, but that's okay. Um But I think, I think they left a lot of loose ends, and I think like with the pirate ship and all that, um, it like where because my question is where does this pirate ship come from do they like obviously they're a small group like are they answering to someone else um and i think they this goes back to like i think all throughout this episode we or even the season we've got a lot of loose ends like um in the sense of because i go back to like we got i mean this hasn't been brought up yet but we got the first um uh first appearance of zeb um from uh rebels and a lot of action and zeb did like nothing he like sat at the bar and told him hey good luck like that was all he did i was like is that all we're gonna get like i feel like we have to get more or zeb is a link to seeing other characters from that um something along that line and i think you even go back to like episode one we got pergil um Mm. in hyperspace and they've not touched that so like where's all this going um is my question like who like there has to be something behind i think this i guess that's where my brain goes with like we see zeb we see uh the purgeo in episode one we get this random somewhat seemingly random pirate attack on um navarra which i feel like can't be not so like isn't not so random Um, um, once we know you're starting to sound like that rebel rebel pilot
2: yeah connected yeah it can't be be a coincidence
1: (laughs) i feel like it has to be i mean maybe it's just me but i feel like there has to be some connections here um and like i even go back because they've pulled a handful of things from legends um that you mentioned and i think just even like are we gonna start to see some which i i hope i i mean even something like a thrawn type of a thing come in from like that's he's the connection like to the pirates and that sort of thing are we gonna see um some sort of cloning even stuff come from the outer like outside because i think the other significant thing i think about as well is like like navarro is an outer rim and so are we getting some of these like some of the cloning stuff that we see in the sequel trilogy and some of like Thrawn stuff we know is from like in the um beyond regions like are we gonna see some of that come into mando and some of how all this plays out i don't know um and i'm just throwing some stuff out there and i'm open to ideas but like like i feel like there has to be some connection and some things in there because i feel like you can't just throw pergils in and be like hey that was cool um <laughs> when we all know there's another connection to that or zeb as well and like as cool as it is like there, ha- like um they, Dave Filoni, and them, they know what they're doing. They they're obviously they're putting things together, and so I'm just excited from this episode. I was excited to see as many loose ends as we saw, um, knowing that they're going to weave all those back together,
0: um, and probably a pretty cool way. Mm, very good point, there, Yeah, it was one of those things that went. I've you know as much as I love Star Wars and the Mandalorian you know I've raised some critiques uh, about it and one of the predictions I have when I was speaking with Ben and Andy who are a m- lot more pessimistic about uh Mandalorian than I am was one of the I went on a little just, rant. just in general Mike just
2: in general well, they are yeah I,
0: <laughs> Ben's more middle Ben's kind of neutralish you know with certain things he's on cloud nine and other things he's like yeah that's terrible he's not he hasn't even continued watching Mandalorian he, he disliked it that much wow. he's just like wow. I've just given up for the time being and I was like I don't know what show you're watching, but fair enough. You do you. He's And he's not like a, a canon hater, because he adores Andor, Bad Batch, Rebels, Clone Wars. So he's entitled to his opinion, and Mandalorian isn't the greatest show ever. But one thing uh, when I was talking to them was I went a little rant at the end of the episode, and I was like, what I don't want this to be is a show that isn't its own it doesn't have its own identity i didn't want the show just to be like right so mandalorian everyone's watching so let's use that to jump on the spin-offs you know let's yeah. this is going to jump off to book of boba fett this is going to jump jump off to ahsoka this is going to jump off to this show and this show and i was like not much as i like connected universes like the mcu are doing i like it where you can watch a marvel film and if it's yeah. a titular character not an avengers movie you don't have to have seen anything else there will be the odd little nod odd little thing here and there but you don't have to see everything but if you do watch everything and then you watch the avengers movie then all the loose ends connect together and that's that is what I think we're going to get but I just don't want them to be too heavy handed with it but with this episode in particular and the way they were kind of going with the waters of Mandalore thing and the mythosaur and that sort of stuff we are really getting into I think the thing that everyone kind of when you first heard the term the Mandalorian as a show when this show was first announced I think everyone just kind of snapped to either Legends or Clone Wars or Rebels and being like oh we're going to get loads of stuff about the Mandalorian like culture and then although I did enjoy season 1 and 2 of Mandalorian there was very little bits about mandalorian culture it was like oh we never yeah. take our helmets off and we're like really we haven't heard that before and like yeah let's just not talk about that for seven more episodes and you're like what's happening and it was like <laughs> oh here is a monster of a week oh and he crashes on this planet and there's giant spider things and grow goose and it was a bit like okay when are we gonna you've introduced the characters we can see what he's capable of where are we going to get into the depth of it and i think the finale of series two definitely did that and some of the the mandalorian episodes and book of boba fett did it a bit but this episode you know the pirate stuff was really fun, agree with both of you there, and I thought it was cool, but yeah, the the depth of what it is to be Mandalorian, I I think that's the thing that's really drawing me. You know, I like the Star Wars action, but my favourite Star Wars action is with lightsabers, and although the Dark Saber's cool and stuff, it's like, it's it's all cool action, but like, if you're going to do action for me, perfect thing is, is lightsaber stuff. If I'm not going to get that, which is fine... I need there to be other weight behind it, and obviously had incredible writing, connection to characters, seeing what the Empire has actually done to the everyday people. What this show is doing is being like, okay, what happened after the Empire? How did the First Order come about? Because that was a big question. Everyone was like, oh, so we've got the sequel trilogy all of a sudden, and there's basically the identical Empire, and they've just rose up 30 years later, and there's no real mention of it anywhere. And there's a book called Bloodline by Claudia Gray that's really cool, but that, like, only touches on it a little bit because she she could only tell so much because they hadn't developed everything so it's like with this we're getting both the simultaneous thing of the rise of the First Order and how the New Republic became complacent in that while simultaneously we're getting the Mandalorian culture and how there are different sects and how we're going to obviously get some episode where it's going to really show what truly happened to uh, Mandalore because from seeing Rebels you get hints and then from here you get hints but we're kind of it's almost like you've got these things coming in from the other side. Rebels is like the the prologue to it, and then Mandalore is like the epilogue, but we're actually missing the the core of the story of what mm-hmm. happened with Bo-Katan. How did all this stuff with the Empire happen with Mandalore? And so, especially the way this episode ended, where where uh, you were saying, like, where it's like, oh my god, I didn't expect Bo-Katan to kind of almost accidentally joined the Children of the Watch. And then at the end of this episode, it's that thing with the Armourer, and it's like, oh, she's going to walk two worlds. So delving into that angle, I do want to talk about the New Republic and stuff as well. But that angle in particular, when I spoke with a gentleman, Thomas, last week, he said he got bad vibes about the Armourer. And I think Megan has said something similar to that as well. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you two think about that. If I start with you first, Ike with the armorer and the end of this episode with Bo-Katan and a helmet, what are your kind of thoughts on it? Do you believe what the armor is saying? Do you think she's truthful? What, what do you kind of feel about that?
1: Yeah, I think I, the armor, and actually I just heard somebody else mention this, just this last week was like, I, like they said like, Hey, I think the armor is hiding something um, or knows more than what she's leading on. Um, They're like they even mentioned like did the armor know that they could go back to Mandalore, but she's just leading on that they can't. And like I definitely think the armor has something that, and also like I maybe it's just me. Um, I almost want to hear your guys' thoughts on this as well. But I almost get the impression that the armor and Bo Katan have some sort of history um Mm. just because even like when they've had interactions i feel like they've had very short interactions and it's like hey i know you or like um there's a sense of um i think also there's a sense that i feel like or at least the understanding that um the armor knows about bo katana well enough to know that she wasn't a fan of the watch she initially left the watch and all that and so i think like there's Something going on there, and I think here's the fact that we got this abandoned Lambo cl- Lambda class shuttle and all that, that essentially now we think Moth Gideon's missing, and um, all that with the Beskar um piece in there is like okay, is like the armor know what's going on there? Um, is there something linked to that? So, I definitely feel like the armor is up to something. Um, good or bad, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but she is. Um, I think that also goes like the fact that now Bo Katan's like, it seemed okay. Like when when the armor came out and said, hey, Bo Katan's going to walk these two ways now, like everyone else was okay with it. Like they were like, I was kind of like, she walked out with her helmet off and nobody freaked out. Nobody shot at her. Like, and so I was kind of surprised by that, but also like, it's almost like this the armor has some sort of authority to say, hey, this is okay, and we're not gonna completely reject her or and like and even at the end of that, the like Bo Katan said this is the way, and like everyone agreed with that. And so there was like there's there's something going on on in the background that is the armor is up to or just knows other things. Um and yeah, it's interesting. Um I'm excited to see where they go. But yeah, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this
0: as well. I mean the familiarity thing. I hadn't considered that. But that's a very interesting idea, um, Dan. What do you think about all that stuff? Um, it, there's, I, I
2: would, I, I would, I would never say I trusted the armor. I'm never like, she's, she's, uh, you know, uh, a, a nice person. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I would never, I would never go because even like, st- st- you know, we met her in the sewer. She's, you know, she's got a big hammer. She likes to beat people. We see in this episode. She's. She's very unusual weapons, I'll, I will say, but she's... That was a, real,
1: that was a cool scene, though. Yeah, yeah. Her walk in there.
2: A proper hammer time. <laughs> um, and... Yeah. So I've never like gone, all oh, she- I think, I think the actress is phenomenal. Her voice mm. and the, her cadence, the way she speaks. Um, and again, with, with a show where you're basically just wearing a fucking helmet for three seasons, <laughs> you've got to have a good voice. You've got to, you've got to convey all this emotion mm-hmm. that your eyes, face, mouth, all this stuff isn't showing. And I think she's incredible. I think she's one of the, the best things in it. I always love hearing her say, you know, this is the way, you know, I was just like, yeah. And all the different ways she says this is the
0: way as well. Yeah, each time, and, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, what is it's got this got a diff- version saying? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's got <a> slightly <laughs> different <laughs> meaning. Like one of the last episodes when she was just kind of like, this is the way, and it felt quite dismissive with mm. the first, when she was like, mm. oh this yeah, is the way. You've seen, yeah, you've seen, you've seen the mythosaur. Yeah, of course you have, Bo-Katan. It was quite a weird dismissive. This is the mm. way. Kind of. That's the end of the conversation. Mm.
2: Mm. Well, this is this is my issue with the episode. Like, we have this big we have this big build. This whole episode is about. Whether the Mandalorian should help grief cargo because they've been at odds before and they've, you know, inadvertently cost them some of their lives and some of their tribe. Um, you know, and jin you know has he has that big he does the big you know he holds the hammer so he can talk um and he tells everybody and then and then we get the the heavy duty one and he comes in he's like i don't like this guy i never liked this guy i'm like oh yeah fucking hell we've heard this every episode out of your mouth every fucking episode you're in. i don't trust <laughs> him no 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 and then it actually surprised me We're went like, no we, we should join him we should i was like I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> like, i was like genuinely loving it. i was like i was like oh oh yeah he saw, saved his son but i did you know the way he's he's yeah. still acting is still like yeah he might save my son i appreciate it but he's still not the guy i like um yeah so the fact that he kind of turned around and goes because you know we're mandalorian this is what we do and you know and i, I quite enjoyed that kind of twist because you know i, I thought i would have seen that coming, but it did catch me off guard i was like oh, okay fair enough and then there's this, like, let's make a home for ourselves. Let's raise our children. Let's live in the light again. Let's do this. Uh, and again, we've got all this, and we've got this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. And then we do this. We have the massive battle, the galleon. They bring the ship down. They save Navarro. They are welcomed, and they are, you know, all all of the differences are put aside, and they are living there. They have found their home. They finally found their home. And then the armorer says, "Nah, let's go back to Mandalore," <laughs> like. I just, I felt like it just cut away everything. I was like, oh, this will be interesting. Them living in the light, this warrior culture within this not so warrior society. But they're going, and then she's like, and and also katan learning, becoming, and and becoming indoctrinated into this, you know, religious order. And she's like, well, now you can't take your helmet off, not in, not in view of everybody else. And and she's like, okay, fair enough, you know. Does all this, and then ah, don't worry about it. Take your helmet off; it's fine. Like, we spent all this time building to this and getting to this. And now we're just like, yeah, we're going to go to Mandalore. You know, I just, I just, that just irritated me a little bit because I'm just like, why build
0: to this if you're immediately just going to throw it away? Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. I I think part of it is actually, I I agree with you, but I think it's Mm. one of the reasons I don't trust the armor that much because Mm. the way, the, the vibe I was getting was Bo Katan is probably i think bo and din seemingly the only two people who could probably fight as good as if not better than the armorer bo is a natural leader her clan house cries were in the clone wars as you saw dan because i don't want to spoil anything from uh rebels and things But sure. it's like her clan were her, her sister was the duchess of mandalore so mm-hmm. so her clan were the most uh powerful mandalorian clan at for a period of time and I think the Armourer, to some degree, either feels threatened by bo or something along those lines. And I feel like what uh, the Armourer kind of did initially in one of the other episodes was like, Mythosaur, yeah, you didn't see that, don't worry about it. And then she's kind of thought and gone, I can manipulate bo because she thinks she's the one, but she isn't. I'm the one. So if I tell her to take her helmet off and she goes off and finds all these Mandalorians, she's going to get killed or they're not going to believe her. It's one of those kind of things. It's, it's an it's kind of a trope in certain things but you know when Mm. someone gives someone an impossible task and they're like Mm. they're never going to come back from that and then they come back and everyone's like oh my god you're the chosen one you know maybe that kind of vibe and and linking it with something that ike said as well um linking the the, almost the post-credit scene i actually said to megan in this i was like i feel like there's going to be a post-credit scene in this episode i don't know why and then there wasn't a post-credit scene but the ending thing felt like one Mm. and when uh, Carson Tevis finds uh, in that shuttle, you know, that Moff Gideon was um, in, that bit of Beskar, you know, my initial... Because me and Megan spoke about it a, a little bit, and we're like, what What does that mean? And then I interpreted it as, there are several sects of the Mandalorian culture that have survived. You know, the Ma- Mandalorians were from Mandalore, but there were lots of other planets as well, even mm-hmm. bo on one as well, her little castle thing. So it's like... Regardless of what happened in the purge, you know the amount of the amount of Jedi that survived Order sixty six is almost the amount of Mandalorians that are just in this set of episodes. So there's got to be more out there. So, are the Mandalorians like? Is there a Air quotes bad group of Mandalorians, the ones that worship Moff Gideon because he got the Dark Saber of Bocatan somehow, and they may have seen that as he's the rightful ruler of Mandalore? Who knows? Mm. There's also in history there have been Mandalorians that side with the Empire, but something with with what you kind of uh, said like it's made me really think what if the armorer is the one who's orchestrating these mandalorians who saved gideon it might be because it's one of those things where we're meant to think she's bad and then it turns out she actually orchestrated this because she wanted moff gideon to have justice from the mandalorians as opposed to the new republic that could be a bait and switch or it could be she's doing some really dodgy stuff behind the scenes and i suspect it'll be a mix i suspect it'll be she does something bad with good intentions that does actually cause a lot of problems, but in the end, people are kind of gonna see it. But I didn't know what you guys kind of thought of of the armorer, like as you said, Ike. You know, maybe they, um, the armor knows katan I think there is a familiarity there, but I wonder if it's more of a jealousy thing. I, I don't know if you mm. want to uh, develop yeah. more of that idea, Ike.
1: Yeah, definitely. um I, Yeah, I think I think it could be a jealousy thing um as well, just because she has, like you said, that like i mean like it was interesting even an episode or two ago like that we heard uh mention her dad and like Mm. the like that was the first time we really really get much mention of any any of their her clan outside of her and her sister and so like that so like i do wonder if there is a jealousy aspect to it um i've also wondered like I don't know. So, do we have a name for the armor besides the armor? I don't think so. Like, is this is this somebody? Tina. That, what? Tina. 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 He just says anything. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, like we've never seen her take her helmet off. We like, is I mean, is this somebody from? that we've seen on screen before um, Mm. that is going by the armor and is kind of take leadership. I mean, that may be an out there idea. I don't know. It's a good idea. I mean, Mm. I think like, because I mean, also, I think it's interesting. Like she has a different helmet. Like she has like a gold, gold helmet, which is different. Mm. She wears like furs, um, which we don't really see any other armor or any other Mandalorian do. Mm. And so like, I, I do wonder if she has some sort of a connection to Mm -hmm. um all this that we are going to learn about um because i think also i think i i feel like there's going to be because we keep every time like the armor makes like a best car um best car armor of some sort we always get a flashback like almost always like are we eventually going to get a flashback of her like Mm -hmm. that's what i would love to see and like getting a little more of that history so yeah i definitely think there's some history there's some jealousy there's something there that yeah um she, she knows more she she's I, I would assume she's one of the older ones in the group um even if I mean it's hard to know exactly but I would think she's probably one of the older ones um and knows some things that uh that that others don't um I think Bo-Katan and,
2: yeah. looks very good for her age
1: yeah <laughs> she, she, she must be bloody I a lot of people mention that yeah
2: <laughs> Maybe maybe that maybe it's just maybe, you know, maybe that's what the armor is doing. She's keeping the helmet on because she doesn't want to be like take it off and be like, oh uh, my in comparison <laughs> to, to Bo Katan. I think you might have a point there, because they do both talk about the forge. They say, I remember the forge on Mandalore. Yeah. It was, you know, extravagant, it was this. And then she goes, Oh, I remember it as well. So they must have both been in the, you know, in the vicinity or nearby or seen yeah. it. So, you know, who's to say? Maybe there's um this might be. I don't know if this is a spoiler for me or for anybody else. But did we ever learn? Do we? Oh no, I think I remember now. Does does um does uh, a certain character die? I think. In, yeah, in, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Spoilers: one, two, three. Does Satine die in Clone Wars, the series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, thought yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah, going to so. say. I was going to say. Long maybe, desert. maybe that's yeah. the twist that she is, in fact. And well, I mean, we're talking about cloning, aren't we? So maybe there, maybe there could be a clone mm. of Satine, perhaps. Or, that would be off um, the wall. Wow, that would be that would be a mental. I mean, <laughs> that would catch me really off guard. <laughs> I don't think anyone would predict that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know, because I, I, I don't know that much about. You know, I know a little bit, but not as much as you guys and stuff. There's not so.
0: that much in the canon, to be honest. Mm. In Rebels, there's quite a bit, but Rebels kind of hyper focuses on mm. uh, Bo-Katan's clan and the character um, Sabine. As if, mm. if it, one thing I crit- criticize of Dave Filoni, why did you name Bocatan's sister Sabine, and then you made the main <laughs> one of the main characters in Rebels, the who's Jaws. a Mandalorian, called Sabine? Yeah, it's like for God's, it's like in Game of Thrones, they've got Brun and Bran in the same series. I'm like, what are you doing? It's also <laughs>
2: like like Lord of the Rings.
0: Sauron, Sauraman.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's lots of them, and it's
0: like, so confusing. Sorry, Dan. Oh,
2: I want to ask about the Mythosaur thing as well. Because mm. um, the armorer was talking about the Mythosaur, obviously, having, uh, you know, it's a special, um, you know, it's the emblem it's of, of Mandalore. It's this, it's that. Uh, and I think, didn't they say that the the original Mandalorian, the, or the, you know, back in the days, the olden, olden times, uh, that they, conquered or or uh, you know rode the the mythosaur or or there was there was some sort of big part of that do we think maybe that the founder is looking to to you know bring the mythosaur under her will or kill the mythosaur to Mm. to show that she is the true leader of of mandalore um Mm. I, i love that she was like we're gonna retake mandalore i was like what is there to take? <laughs> Something to retake?
1: Yeah, oh, I mean, well, there's no one there. I mean, there's I
2: was some... like, there's, there's 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 weird spider cyborgs. You have got those those strange cavemen, and then you know a mythosaur that is massive, and you might probably might not kill. Are we going to see the the armorer, much like Boba Fett, when he rode on the Rancor? <laughs> He's going to ride in and just be like, "Yeah, mythosaur."
1: Yeah, you know. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I think the other thing that's interesting with that, and that you brought that up, Dan, is like, we also like, cause I also get this impression that the Mythosaur was very, like, it was more legend than fact. Um, also, from like some of the conversations I mean, we get.
2: It's in the name, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And so, like, oh. I mean, but like, it's this idea that, like, did they even know they actually existed? Like, was there a little bit of this, like, they didn't? actually think they existed it was just this kind of like legend that has developed over time and i mean and obviously they've taken that on as a symbol and they i mean that's like the when you see the mandal like the overall mandalorian symbol it's the mythosaur and so you like it's recognizable but like i do think there's this aspect of like okay, if this is actually real, did our ancestors actually tame them and ride them or whatever? Um, And so I think that is um, very, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. Cause I think the, there is a sense of, and I wonder if that's also why Bo Katana was so shocked is she's like, oh, I didn't even know this creature existed. Like Hmm. it was actually a real thing. And so, uh, I think that's like, that'll play into it as well. And I do wonder if you're right. It's like, okay, hey, if I can conquer the or either by killing it or riding it or whatever, like, will that give me the um, kind of that power over um,
0: to say, hey, I can rule or have that weight, extra weight in leadership in there? Mm. It's very interesting because one thing I've just thought of, I think we're all kind of getting pieces of the puzzle here because it's, it's very interesting what it's unraveling because. If I make this assumption that maybe the Armourer couldn't defeat Bo-Katan in one-to-one combat for argument's sake, so if that is the case and the Armourer is trying to get power, the only other way they could... The only trump card that would beat owning the Darksaber to to rule Mandalore would be to be controlling this colossal mythological beast that's been either extinct for thousands of thousands of years or may have never even you know it may be one of those things like dragons for example you know people in fantasy you know people love dragons it's always in in game of thrones and lord of the rings and in, in mm-hmm. a variety of different places and it's like in our culture in the real world dragons are a huge like everyone knows what a dragon is but yeah. dragons in theory never existed but it's so often in stories when you get especially children who go into The land of Narnia or, you know, normally when you've got the normal air quotes character goes into this weird fantasy realm, they meet a dragon of some sort. And there's loads of different variations of what dragons are actually like and what they do if they talk, blah, blah, blah. But it's like if someone in our real world went into this weird dimension and met a dragon, we'd know what it is immediately. But if we said, oh, I have went and saw a dragon, people would be like, you haven't seen a dragon? They don't even exist. But no, but they've been in our culture for, you go back 10,000 years, it's still written in the scripture about dragons. Yeah, but... That was that they're just metaphors, or it was a really big mm. iguana or something, you know, or, or it was a crocodile, <laughs> you know, it's it's lots of things, so I think they're very interesting concepts, and I think, I know in Legends there's a lot more information around it, I've not delved as deep into Legends, I'm only just kind of scratching the surface yeah. of Legends at the moment, so I know bits and pieces, but Legends, one of the, the messes with Legends is it goes back to like, there's a legend story about the beginning of time and how it all started, and you know that's a bit too much for me, but like there is quite a lot of Mandalorian stuff in comics and things like that with Mandalorian culture. But yeah, the mythosaurs, I think, in legends did exist. But I think even in some of the legend stories I've been um, listening to an audiobook that is set like two or three thousand years before the Skywalker saga. Even in those scenarios, people are saying, yeah, the Mythosaurs don't exist, or the Mythosaurs yeah. are this ancient being. So I think it's like, even in Legends continuity, I think it was tens, if not maybe hundreds of thousands of years prior to like the ancient ways um, of Mandalorian culture and things. And in Legends, there wasn't really... The-, the Mandalorians we have now are different to those ones, because Mandalore the Great, I think he's called, the Darksaber guy, there was only a very short period of time where that was part of Legends, and before the Disney reset... Because I think it, that idea and that concept was kind of introduced in the Clone Wars, so Clone Wars only came out, you know, less than ten years before the Disney canon reset. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a very good pocket that they're fitting into. But all very good ideas, very interesting. Um, is there anything else? I was going to delve into the strange bureaucracy of the New Republic, but is there anything else either of you want to add about Mythosaurs or Mandalorian uh, before we delve into that?
1: I think one thing I was I want to add. One thing I've yeah, been, do it. I've been hoping to buy, see. Um, I think myth the Mythosaur kind of plays into this, but also is, like, in Legends, we have what's called the Mask of Mandalore. Um, and the idea is whoever has this mask it, and wears it is the leader of Mandalore um, and kind of has that same vibe as the Darksaber. And so, like, I, like is the Mythosaur kind of playing that role um, or will play that role? And then also, like, are we gonna get a mask Mandalor? Like I, lo- I think that'd be super cool to see. Um, something of that nature that would solidify, because I think that that and you mentioned that too Mike is like solidify somebody's leadership beyond just being able to beat somebody in combat. Mm. Um, because I think that's one thing is like even like even if Bo Katan or dinner they're like they're the greatest one, there's gonna be some random joe that from some clan that can probably beat them in combat um they may not have a brain on their head but they can probably beat them in combat and so like that can so that like can always change but is there's something else whether it's the mythosaur or some sort of a mask or something that would add a sense of hey like this person is the leader of mandalore um i think it would be cool to see but we'll see mm-hmm. i don't know
0: it's a very good point, because yeah, I only knew about the Mask uh, of Mandalore very recently, because I listened to the Revan audiobook. Mm, and Revan yeah. is a very big character in the Knights of the Old Republic games and comics and things. He's probably, I'd say he's probably the most famous Legends character and the yeah. most desired one to come into the canon. He's like yep. the big one. In fact, they made a 3D model of him for the Clone Wars and didn't use him in that mm-hmm. arc where Yoda goes to some uh, Sith temples and things and sees like yep. a ghost of Bane. And so I think there's a st- in that story, there's a part where Revan basically defeated the person who had the Mask of Mandalore and just hid it. And then all of the Mandalorians just were infighting because no one could take up that leadership role. And it just, mm-hmm. it destroyed Mandalore for for decades, actually. In Legends, this is, again, that 3,000 years before the Skull saga, yep. But that idea is very interesting. And I'd not even connected to those dots, Ike. So that's a really good shout. And I wonder, if they did do a Mask, would the Mask of Mandalore, if, if they didn't the canon, be like, the first ever Mandalorian helmet? Because I, mm. I, I'm intrigued. Like, why, why does this culture decide that? Was it just... We're in war so much, we always wear helmets, so it protects us. But it seems mm-hmm. like the, there's a specific design. They almost all have that the line and the, the thing down. You know, it's yeah. the T-shape. So it's like, yeah. I would really love to see a mythosaur the mask of mandalore and the dark saber being kind of like the holy trinity of mandalorian (laughs) culture and you know the number three is something that is in a lot of in in our real world in a lot of religions number three is a indication of the whole you know Mm. with christianity as an example you know you've got father son the holy spirit it's like you've got the three realms of earth you've got heaven hell and earth or you've got heaven hell and purgatory like there's always three and so i think that that idea Ike, is really good shout and i hadn't really considered that so i'd love to see that and also who doesn't like i love in star wars seeing really old ancient artifacts that are really cool <laughs> I, I just love yeah. it i yeah. love when you get sci-fi and it's like here's a of futuristic tech but let's have some old futuristic tech i i, I adore that yeah. um so let's delve into the new republic bureaucracy then so the name i had to look up this character's name because he's the he's the the head teacher the principal in mean girls because megan was like I recognize him who's he and i was like, looking on his imdb pages i was like he voiced this character I was, like, oh me girl's principal she's like that's where it is so the character's name is colonel tuttle and he's the person that carson Teva, the new republic uh pilot he goes to him and says look i need some help with the delphi squadron we need to go and and do this obviously there was the the zeb cameo as well but the bureaucracy of the mandalorian of the the new republic rather dan what what do you think about all this stuff uh, it doesn't surprise me,
2: because <laughs> <laughs> I mean we got it a little bit in the other episode. Uh, was it, I can't remember the episode's name, but it was the the one on Coruscant. Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 we got the idea that you know there's there's potential for technology, that things that the Empire developed. You know, um, if we look at our own history, like. All the German rocket scientists were basically just employed by the US after the war, because they were like... To NASA, yeah. Yeah, you build really good rockets. We could do with some more rockets. So they went, yeah, let's do do that. So in some ways, it kind of makes... like I kind of get behind the scientists and his cloning technology and stuff. Mm -hmm. I kind of understand why he would... Again, it's not my favourite episode, but I kind of understand and see why he would be led to do something like that. Um, But yeah, I think, I just think, I think it's because I think there's probably like, like you were saying, Mike, it's that, ah, we won. Oh, we can chill out now. But actually, no, it's not, it's not the fact you can't rest on your laurels when Mm. you're, you know, you know, a colony of, you know, hundreds and thousands of planets and systems and galaxies. It's not, Possible, you've got to you know keep on top of everything, and I think it's just like, oh, well, we can't use that technology because it's imperial. Oh, I don't want to touch that, It's dirty. Oh, you know, and it's it's like, well, no, there might be something we can use. There might be something we can we can retroactively refit or re constitute or there might be a way of you like like the 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 brainwashing device they had in that episode as well mm. it was like oh this yeah. is imperial it's a I, again i can't remember the name but it was like basically just a white brain white mind thing. flare or something like that mind yeah. Flare, yeah. Mind, yeah i think yeah. i think that was it and it's like yeah. no no it's and the guy was like no no it's fine it's it's it, you, won't, you won't feel a thing i've had it done to me i'm great uh i was like <laughs> i thought that was quite funny it's like yeah, yeah I, don't know what I don't know what you're worried about it's fine. <laughs> i've been through yeah. it um you won't, yeah. <laughs> you won't remember a thing. exactly. You won't remember a thing. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, it's fine." Um, but I, I like that aspect that the it's almost like the lunatics are uh, are in control of the asylum, but it's not. It's kind of like mm, yeah. the pencil pushers, mm.
1: uh,
2: you know, the the bu- bureaucracy, the the kind of the 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 yes men, and also the stuff are in charge. And and I can I quite like it because again, what you were saying about the rise of the first order it makes kind of sense that there would be this backlash. There would be this. And again, we're seeing that there, the, the, um, the former Imperials, uh, uh obviously they're like, you know, they're, they're like prisoners on parole, aren't they? So they're, they're like, you, you do this job. We're not letting you touch anything that you used to work on. You know, you are here to do this. It's to serve the Republic. You know, we, we know what you did. We appreciate what you did and we appreciate you coming over and, and, and rehabilitating yourself but there's certain things we can't have there's certain things we can't we can't do and and yeah i i i I like it i really i really like i like seeing the where again it's 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 interesting when star wars fills in these holes like you were saying the these gaps of time these large Mm -hmm. gaps of time you we don't know much about or um, I know. I know the Bad Batch is doing something along the kind of lines of I've not seen it, but I know someone yeah. mentioned it to me and said there's they're they're showing maybe why there were no more clones created potentially in the yeah. future, uh, and that that's always fa- that's always like for me I'd be like well, just make more clones. You don't need to hire random dudes and pull yeah. them from planet. Just make more clones. Like so, I've always wanted a reason for that. I w- I had always wanted that whole filling in. So I always appreciate. The fact that they're going, we didn't quite like that about that film. We didn't quite like this. We didn't quite like this. But how can we fit? Not fix that, but kind of re, maybe recontextualize it, or mm. or approach it, or make a story out of this? Like there's a there's a there's there's potential. There's never like it, the, there's like a saying where there's never a there's never a bad character. It's just bad writing. And I think the it, the same can be said for these kind of Plot holes, if you want to call them that, or or vagueness. Um, and I, I think, I think Ike was saying, right, that there is a lot of, a lot of loose ends, but they're on purpose. They're not, it's not, not loose ends where we're like, what what's going on here this is confusion why are we doing this mm. the 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 being planted there in place then those characters are being placed there and planted there for a reason and and we know we know that eventually we're going to see these characters crop up or they're going to have a more extended cameo or what have you so so i i really i'm really enjoying filling in these holes and kind of going oh, god am i on the first order's side when, when, when did that <laughs> happen <laughs> when did that happen but yeah i i can kind of absolutely see and again i've been in office jobs and stuff so I'm, i can relate to a lot of this kind of like mm, oh can't go there because it doesn't they didn't do this and didn't cross they didn't the, the box yeah. they didn't, they didn't <laughs> yeah. sign form. oh you don't you don't have you've got the wrong form you need you know x y b form you've got x y c mm, sorry <laughs> um so so i i quite appreciate that part of the episode it's like it's annoying and it, and i think they cast the right actor as well i think he's great mm-hmm. um he's in one he's in one of my favorite um comedy films uh which is the the uh, dewey walk hard the dewey cox story which is like a a spoof on uh johnny cash the john walk uh walk mm. the line um mm. which is i think is hilarious and everyone should go watch uh, our friend <laughs> our mutual friend tony farina loves it as well and uh he's got good taste so uh check that out if you've not seen it with john john c Riley. um anyway yes i like that it, long long story short i like this
0: <laughs> nice it's, it's one of those things uh with the the bureaucracy of it is as you say people get complacent when they're not in war and that's kind of one of the things that I, I like about this element of the canon. And I, I know the difference here is what a lot of people... A lot of people compare Star Wars. They go, oh, why can't we just keep Legends? Why do you have to redo it? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, you've got 40 years of Legends, you know, and that's fine. And I'm reading Legends at the moment. And it's like, some of it you can just put in your own head headcanon and go, yeah, that happened. Because it's 4,000 years ago and we haven't had any stories to contradict yeah. it. So who cares? But also... How many co- how many continuities are there of Marvel stuff, of DC stuff, of this? I know recently DC came out and said, it's all canon. It's like saying that makes basically none of it canon, but whatever. Keep the fans happy. Do what you want. But, like, how many resets have we had? And, like, with Star Wars, you've just got the two. And one of them, they literally call it Legends, which is very clever. It's like, it's could have happened. This may or may not have happened. Who knows? It's a legend because it was thousands of years ago. How on earth? Oh, yeah, I heard the legend that Kenobi did this on this planet. Yeah, but that contradicts what we saw in Kenobi. Yeah, but it's a legend. It's, you know, it's a mythos. So I like the fact we've got two uh, continuities there. But in this one, they're like, okay, instead of just which a lot of people want who hate the sequel trilogy, which I do not want. If them go, oh yeah, Kathleen Kennedy sucks. They, the Mandalorian is going to cancel out uh, the sequel trilogy. It's like No, they're not. Don't be so stupid. What they're doing is they're not retconning. They're doing what you're meant to do as a clever plot devices. We're not going to go in and go, which is unfortunately what Rise of Skywalker did to Last Jedi, which annoyed me. They go, oh, so you know that line of dialogue and that whole build up and the whole meaning of that film. We're just going to undo that for the sake of it for a villain. It's like, oh, come on. What they're really doing is going, okay, there are elements of this that may or may not have worked. There are questions. Let's develop that, as Dan said. Let's recontextualize that. Let's mm, find out. Yeah. People are going, how come Palpatine came back? Why did it take him 30 years after dying? Why is he this weird, decrepit thing? Well, we're going to develop it. We're going to explore the cloning stuff in the Bad Batch mm-hmm. to a degree. And there's touches of it in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett mm. as well. There's bits sprinkled in. But we're going to recontextualize that. And I think mm. the bureaucracy of that i love it and sorry Alec, with you and the, the bureaucracy of the new republican things what have you thought about it? How, how have you been thinking it connects and i wondered one thing i thought was the new republic looks very similar to what cyril had in andor when we saw him in that cubicle and stuff it wasn't quite as mm. big but when he was just working in that crummy job and he was just in that imperial place i was like there the are vibes here that, f- that are connecting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Right, I want to hear your thoughts on the New Republic's amazing bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I completely agree
1: with what you guys are saying as well. And like, I think it's a, it's interesting to see the the connections, as you guys have said, like, okay, like the start of the empire, the start of the New Republic, like seeing some of these connections. And I think like, just even the fact that, like, the the idea behind the, I think, the contrast of, like, when we see the Rebellion, like, the idea is, like, with the Rebellion, we're out to help people, we're out to save the galaxy from this evil tyranny, and, like, but then, like, as soon as they become established, like, a switch flips of, like, hey, we gotta fill out these forms to save someone, um and... I think it's the just like how that all plays out. I, I honestly, one of the a couple of things I've thought about is like, I think it's interesting that we've had the New Republic come into play, um, but never saw alongside Luke. Um, so like Luke has not showed up like in context with the New Republic. Um, he's always off doing his own thing, which I find interesting. Um, and then also, I really do think like, I also think it's interesting. Like, so, like, from I'm trying to think uh aftermath books um we know that uh mon mothma is chancellor um mm-hmm. at least initially and so like also like are we gonna get um i mean are we gonna see a mon mothma chancellor in the new republic and see yes there you go um and like so i think just even some of those connections as well as like are we gonna see some of the higher up aspects of the new republic and i i like honestly i i really do wonder if it, if we if we do see these like is it going to remind us a lot of episodes 1 to 3 um mm. what the galactic republic looked like before order 66 before the empire and this like hey we need to do this we need to do this nobody agrees and somebody decides hey we're going to do this and then they tear everything apart um and so like i really do think that that could be an aspect of it and i think it's um the idea that history repeats itself if you don't change it. And I feel like they're not changing it, um, at least not enough. And so it's, it's this, and I think uh, Dan, you said, it's like you get comfortable, like you won, what do I do? What do we do now? And like, they don't know what to do um, and that sort of thing as well. And so I think it's interesting to see all of that kind of play together, come together. Um, and Like I said, I think it's, I'm very intrigued to see like, what are we going to get from in the essence? Like, I don't think like, I don't think we're going to get Luke and the new Republic really ever working together. Um, He goes and does his own thing. Um, And I think also just, you guys mentioned legends as well. Like we've seen things from legends already that in Mandalorian um, in the sense of like dark troopers aren't actually legends. Um, The, uh, the crate dragon is legends Mm. um, and those sorts of things. And so like, I do feel like we're gonna get this. Like, when you think about like "Air of the Jedi" and some of those like Legends books that happened post Episode Six, I feel like we're gonna get some stories and things that come in that are similar to those, um, and recreating some of those things that happen. Mm, very good ideas. There, yeah.
0: It's it's interesting. It's with the, with the New Republic as well. It's kind of like it's it's doing all the things. Apart from the overt tyranny, uh, the the racism, and like the the pure dictatorship of it, if you mm-hmm. take away those atrocities, what you're left with is this ridiculous bureaucracy that's just reducing people's rights and things. And as you guys have pointed out, like the Repu- the New Republic is is basically doing that. And it's like, as you said, Ike is like, oh yeah, we won and the rebellion. Yeah, well now what? And it's like the rebellion don't actually know how to run a galaxy and the problem is you had the republic that had been there for as far as we know because in the canon it's a bit unclear but it's about a thousand years the republic is established for about a thousand years the what it is in legends is that a thousand years ago was when the last great jedi sith war was i think before that it was constantly like a struggle of power sometimes the sith were in power sometimes the jedi were and then it's been a thousand years where the sith have gone and so the jedi became complacent and so did the republic and now it's kind of like then they had 20 years of or twenty three or so years of horrendousness with the Empire. Then you had like a few years at the end, in the aftermath books, which is like, you know, the Emperor and Vader are dead, but the rebellion and the Empire are still fighting. In Legends, it took like ten, fifteen years, I think, uh, for the New Republic to really get a stronghold on the galaxy. But in uh, in the canon, it's only a couple of years. It's like a year and a half to two years. But it's like, oh, we won. Now what? It's kind of like us all talking about on a podcast, like how we'd like run the country, and then it'd be like waking up tomorrow, and then suddenly being like the president or the prime minister, and be like, no, I had like three good ideas two of which were flushed out and i could tell you 20 things to not do but if you're gonna ask me how does like trading work with like europe and economic trade and how does like world economics work and how does the value of pound how does that change with what's going on in europe and america i'm like i don't know i just think that someone in power shouldn't be a dick i just think people in power shouldn't be corrupt but i don't have all the answers and that's kind of i think what the rebellion's done
2: yeah. It's it's almost like when you've been rebelling for so long, how do you stop rebelling? Yeah. You know, that's that's all we know. All they know is rebelling. So it's like, oh, well, I don't like that. It should be run this way. And then it's like, all right, you've got it now. It's yours. What do you yeah. want to do? It's like... Oh well, I, I don't know how that works. Uh, I've, I've, I've never done this job. I've never, you know, I'm I'm on the front lines. I'm fighting, and and I think you'll you'll find with that as well. Like, uh, I'm talking about Luke Skywalker not really working with the New Republic, but I think you find that the people leading rebellions or you know uh, trying to work for this change don't actually run they don't go oh well i'm going to run it as well i'm going to be the king mm-hmm. you know yeah. the, the, it's very rare that i think you would see that in fiction or in or in real life it's you mm-hmm. know it's, it's a kind of a wobbly ground i think to be a, yeah. a hero of, of a rebellion and also a political yeah. leader afterwards it's i don't think it's worked very well out, out <laughs> very well before uh probably never since but uh but yeah there's was, it was interesting i'll tell you what it was interesting again i keep going back to this episode i don't particularly like the episode but the more i think about it, the more i'm like actually that is quite some quite interesting world building. Um, when the clone doctor comes out of his speech and they're all like, and all the pompous rich one, rich mm. people come across yeah. and they're like, oh, very good, very good speech. Yes, I very really much enjoyed it. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, and then the one guy's like, uh, you know, and he's talking about all the stuff. He's like, I never pay attention to the news. I don't know. And he he basically says, they're all the same. He goes the Empire, the first, you know, he doesn't mention the First Order, but the Empire, the Rebellion, you know, all this other stuff. He, he basically doesn't know the difference because he's just a rich asshole. You know, he, 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 that's, it doesn't matter because he's rich, he's privileged. Mm-hmm. He, he he's gonna he's at a point in privilege where he doesn't keep up with politics, he doesn't keep up with it. But also, like, like even even the the New Republic, the Blue Boys. Don't know who they are yet. They haven't established themselves. They don't know yeah. what yeah. they're going to do. There's, there's again, they're, they're saying there's planets not linked to them in any way. And you would think, you know, given the end or the the special edition end of of Return of the Jedi, that like every planet is united across the galaxy celebrating mm. the end of the Empire. But that's not the case. There's out, all these outer rim planets and further, and you know, some people again like Navarro want to be independent and. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot to kind of unpack there. And it and again the the height of this bureaucracy being really poor is they they don't guard star destroyers. They just leave them lying around. They're just like
0: oh, it's, no one's going to steal this. Oh, It'll be fine. It'll yeah, be the fine. The Empire are gone. They can't, but oh, like, yeah. we, beat, we beat the Emperor and we destroyed a few Star Destroyers on Jakku and yeah. so the Empire are gone now and that's Done. the end of that. Done. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's Coruscant, <laughs> you know. It's Coruscant. I did quite like as well
2: in the in Grogu's flashback in, in Coruscant, you see uh, the Jedi drive past the, the top of the mountain of Coruscant because mm, obviously yeah. I see that in the, in the previous episode. That was a really nice call that I liked. Yeah, Again, not cool. that not this episode, but I liked it. Yeah,
1: mm,
0: that was yeah. good. Um, it's it's one of those, yeah. And, and one thing, little note thing, I've um, we'll start to we'll start to wrap up. There's a couple more elements, but um, there's a thing I noticed, which was uh, Colonel Tuttle, uh, the the bureaucracy guy. One thing I noticed, which they did very cleverly, and again, the, the, regardless of opinions on Star Wars shows or anything, the costume department is just phenomenal. In, in yeah. every live-action Star Wars show, it's been yeah. so good. So, so beyond like a, what one would expect from like a, a series that's not like a HBO-style series. It's like, mm-hmm. they've really put the effort in, and I really appreciate that. It makes you feel yeah. like you're in the world. Mm-hmm. And, with uh, Tuttle, he has a little insignia, um, which was a, it was a white square with th- uh, three blue dots on it. And mm. that's like, oh, he's a New Republic. That's his rank in the New Republic. Well, in the Empire, they had that, but they had a the strip. So there's mm. a strip of, I think it's blue lines and then red on top of that. And the red is a higher thing. So if you've got three blues, yeah. But if you've got three blues and, like, one red, oh, you're high. You know what I mean? And so you can see that in, um, especially, I think you'll see it in Andor. And you'll probably notice it more when... I this watch series 2 or you rewatch Andor is the ISB they've all got the strips and it says what rank you mm. are and yeah. it's just a little subtle thing where it's like oh he's got a little rank thing as well and it's like there's all these little threads of like yeah this has got a lot of the the rubbish things about the Empire but not a lot of the the air quotes good it's like the Empire had a lot of faults but when the Empire wanted to do something they just did it and it's one of those weird things where I do not believe that a dictatorship is the right way to run any civilization you know But there is one argument that said for it, which is when you have a dictatorship, there's not really much bureaucracy. You've just got basically one person making all the decisions. If the empire wants to blow up Alderaan, Mm. he he just tells someone they do it in the new Republic. It's this constant, should we do this, should we do that? And the rebellion in Star Wars Rebels, they have this, there's an argument that happens in in um, I won't say where it happens, but there's a point where a little rebel cell connects with some of the wider rebel cells. Mm. And one of the <laughs> characters is like, has huge problems. He's like, I don't want to do this. He's like, We need to save these people. And they're like, No, but we need to check with the rest of the rebellion if we can. And he's like, I'm not, no. When I'm going there to save them because that's the right thing to do. I'm not waiting here for permission. This is why I didn't want to join a bigger rebellion. And you think. That's just like a one little, that's almost like a throwaway conversation in an episode. There is a theme that goes on throughout uh, where mm. that is in Rebels, but that's just a part of it. And you think, you scale that up to the whole galaxy, and that is what the New Republic is. And so I've I really enjoyed this, and I'm really, I'm liking it. And I think that with Andor, I don't, once again, Andor should stand by itself, so should the Mandalorian. But I think what Andor's doing is showing us ground level what it was like living in the empire both on Coruscant for an imperial and for someone who's not an imperial is trying to fight it you get the mon mothma side as well as Lutheran rail but you also mm-hmm. get um obviously you got andor side but then you've also got um dedramiro side as well so you've got you seeing how it worked in the empire worked in air quotes how that happened in the empire and now we're kind of seeing how it air quotes works in the new republic and mm-hmm. I think they're cleverly, I think that although Amanda, andor, 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 although they are separate, <laughs> I think that you are kind of seeing a degree of convergence there. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything else um, that either of you wanted to add before we kind of wrap things up? Anything that we either haven't mentioned or anything? I've got two more little notes, but um, Ike, is there anything else uh, that you wanted to mention about this episode or anything else before we start to wrap up?
1: Yeah. Well, only thing I was going to mention, and you guys kind of alluded to this, but like you have these re- the rebellion, um, and these people who don't know anything about that, and like I just think it like okay, you have Luke and Leia, they were born right when all this started. Um, you have Ezra, who was born on Empire Day. Um, you have, I mean, so you think of all these characters that we've seen fight the rebellion that don't have much memory of the galactic republic and Mm. prequels era and so i think like just just kind of adding on into that it's like you have a lot of these people that end up being rebels and you have some that don't but you have a lot of people that are rebels that like that's all they ever knew was fighting they grew up in that um and i mean i think Andor even mentioned like um i think and cassian mentions in rogue one like hey i've been fighting the empire since I was six years old, or something like something along those lines, and so yeah. it is interesting. Like Dan said, it's like those people struggle running a government, <laughs> and all they've known is, "Hey, who do we
0: need to fight and rebel against?" That's a very good. That's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, because at this point of uh, timeline-wise for people, so. Uh, order 66 the rise of the empire that happened 19 years before the battle of yavin which is a new hope and then a new hope to empire strikes back is three years and then empire strikes back to return of the jedi is one year so it's 23 years after the rise of the empire when the emperor and vader die and then the battle of jakku and that sort of stuff happens about 18 months after so it's about 25 years from the rise of the empire to essentially the fall of the empire it's about 25 years. Well. If you think, you know, we're all similar-ish age, if you take 25 years off our ages, we're not really... Regardless of how our ages differences are, whatever age we were 25 years ago, we have no real understanding or comprehension of how an entire government is run. I barely know now, you know, and let alone then when we were basically kids or younger. And you just think, it's a very good point, Ike, and I really hadn't considered this. It's like, even if you're alive... Because the Clone Wars was three years before uh, the rise of the Empire. So you're thinking, so you have to really be 28 years old at the time of the Mandalorian to have been born when the Clone Wars started. So realistically, you have to be mid-40s realistically to have even a vague idea of what the Republic was like. And then comparison to The Rise of the Empire. So you're thinking, like, the only people who have any vague idea, really, of how the Republic was. And also, as Ike again point out, the, the, there's a reason the, the Republic fell in the prequel era. Because it was being run terribly. That's how Palpatine rose to power. That was his main selling point in Phantom Menace. He was like... They're all corrupt. Chancellor Valorum's corrupt. He will not do anything because the bureaucrats who pay his bills, they're telling him not to do this, so he won't. And that's how Palpatine gets his way in. That's how he pushes, because he's like, I'm not corrupt. And in in Legends and in Canon, Palpatine was known as the uncorruptible, because he had his own agenda, so no one could buy him out, because he knew what he was doing. He was doing the long game. But from the surface, he was uncorruptible, and that's how he won, because you're like, this whole government isn't working. I don't have an agenda. Trust me. And that's kind of almost with the New Republic. That's that's kind of what's happening because, yeah, you have to be forty five years old or, or older to even be in the time where you vaguely remember how the Republic worked. And with as you say, Luke and Leia and Ezra from Rebels and all these characters, like none of them knew anything. They were just like, the Empire killing random people is really bad. We should stop that. And then you stop it, and you go, well, we stopped the Empire killing random people. We've we've done it. And but that 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 was a piece of the puzzle. There are working government yeah they were causing atrocities across the galaxy but the main thing was with the empire as far as i can tell is the main crux of it although andal shows they did these horrible things the crux of the empire was as soon as palpatine made the death star as soon as that happened they lost because there are a lot of people who are rebelling in a lot of ways there's lots of little rebellions going on but once there was a device that would blow up an entire planet that's when the empire lost any credibility and it's one of those things where it was a it it was a working government. It, it wasn't. Mm. It was evil and air quotes, you know, that sort of thing and yeah. fascist. But it was like it, the 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 galaxy was kind of still going on. Mm. So it's a really interesting concept there, Ike, that I really hadn't thought of. Dan, do you have anything to note on that element or anything else?
2: Yeah, I'm going back to like Obi Wan, there was there was people, you know, the average Joe, the average guy, you know, there there was that that mole character, that mole man mm. in Obi Wan, who was like. I love the Empire. They gave me work, they gave me home, they gave me money, they gave me this. What's so bad about that? You know, it's order to the the chaos. You know, they could have been in a bad, you know, a bad spot or anything. So, so it's kind of, I I like that they're playing with the complexity of it because it's not, obviously, the Empire are space Nazis, but obviously, we know in, in real life, you know, it wasn't, it's not quite as clear cut as that, you know, whether, you know, obviously it's bad being a Nazi obviously but there are there were certain certain situations where people had to do certain things just to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I find I find it really interesting to see I'll go back again I'll go back to my least favorite episode but the one I'm referencing the most um, <laughs> when the the former Empire um, kind of uh, refugees or rehabilitated Empire officers, are talking about they were like you know he goes he goes what do you miss uh, about the empire and it's like i don't miss the empire the empire was evil it's bad it's very very bad and they're like no just you know the good stuff like you know the food yeah. the 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 transport the you know the little things the little things you know cuz cuz they were like you know it gave their life meaning order you know a purpose, um, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I miss the biscuits, I miss this, I miss that, I miss mm-hmm. the you know the 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 long sleeps, the long flights, you know what have you and and I really like that they play with the idea that one bureaucracy is as bad as another, one government is as bad as another, and can be has potential be to be just as bad. I also like what you were saying earlier Mike about those little those little um visual nods to like future films and stuff like if we go back to like the prequel trilogy we are looking at a lot of technology that would be repurposed into the empire like the 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 clone troopers into stormtroopers the you know the star destroyers all the ships and stuff um and, we, and it's, re, it's quite interesting in that respect to look at it backwards to see like, we're like, oh, gosh, that's a Star Destroyer, even though the good guys are using it. That feels wrong. It feels weird. Uh, and then we know and we know where we're heading. So, it's it, again, I feel like this is doing that. We know where we're going to go. And it's it's getting there. And you see these little like you know the costuming. You're like, oh, that's quite similar to the first order. Or I can see why their rank is quite similar and the dots and everything you were talking about. So I, I do think we're seeing, you know, the the, the trajectory of the where we're going to go into that kind of sequel trilogy. And I, I like that kind of again. It's like a it's a, the visual language of the universe and the growth and the you know. I, I, I appreciate that on a on a world-building level. Um, so, yeah, ab- absolutely.
0: Again, loving loving this. More More power to the Mandalorian. <laughs> mm, it, it's funny as well because I've only just made another connection. I obviously said earlier that uh, Mandalorian is connecting with Andor in a lot of ways because we're seeing Coruscant at the ground level. We're seeing this, that, the other. Well, the Bad Batch, once again, I won't spoil anything because there's a lot of people who listen to this who haven't seen the Bad Batch or anything like that. The Bad Batch is really showing how, because it's only set. uh, I think season one's like direct. Like there's a the first episode is Order sixty six, so it's directly after. And season two of the Bad Batch, I think, is only a year or so after. So the Bad Batch is actually showing how the Republic transforms into the Empire, and you're seeing certain things of like an in between the latest clone armor we saw and the Stormtrooper armor and certain ships and things are like halfway between like a, you know, an arc fighter and a TIE fighter, you know, these, and so the Bad Batch is showing how the Republic became the Empire and or is showing how um, the Rebellion was brewed in the Empire and how it starts splintering it apart and then Mandalorian and whatever shows also come out of Mandalorian that span off that is showing how the First Order grew inside the republic while also showing how the republic how the rebellion grows into the republic so i think for a while i was thinking why are they airing bad batch and mandalorian at the same time all these things and it's like maybe it wasn't intentional it just happens to be but the three most recent pieces of content we've had they all are showing transitions the change in the galaxy and it's a really interesting theme that's you know, when I started Series 3 of The Mandalorian, I didn't think that. I was like, oh, we're going to get more, you know, Grogu and Mandalorian being quite cool. And maybe he's going to have a bit of a clash with Bo-Katan. That's going to be cool. That that was it. And we're having this whole discussion where we're like the, the complexities of galactic governments and how things change. And it's like, it's so amazing when people talk, uh, you know, everyone knows I love Star Wars. And a lot of my friends who don't watch Star Wars, and they think it's quite shallow. They compare it a lot to the MCU. And I'm like, there are similarities, don't get me wrong. But I think when you really look at some of this stuff, like the MCU is crazy superheroes and magic and alternate realities. And it's all very cool, but it's very, you know, in a lot of ways, it's very surface level. I enjoy it and I love it for what it is. But but with Star Wars, the original trilogy at the core is social commentary on fascism and colonialism. And a lot of it is about how Britain worked and how America worked. And to some degree still do. And how that is a problem and what happens and how these governments get overturned. You know, there's space wizards and cool things exploding, you know, but there is there is context within it, social commentary. And I like how the new era of Star Wars is really touching a lot of those those elements. So uh, there's only a couple of minor things I want to mention, which was um, one thing is. Uh, I mean, I said Zeb in live action. He's the big purple guy who spoke to Carson Teva. Um, He is a Lassat. And a a Lassat is actually made from concept art that Ralph McQuarrie made of the original trilogy. And it was originally what a Wookiee was going to be, like a Chewbacca. And a lot of characters and Rebels, in fact, the whole crew, is based off this original concept art that Ralph McQuarrie made. um, Which, if people go and check out um, Star Wars Rebels Reviewed, my first episode on uh, season... Season one of Star Wars Rebels. You should probably watch Star Wars Rebels to do that. In the video version of that, I show some of the artwork. But if you just type in Ralph McQuarrie concept art, people will see it. So Zeb in live action I loved. I, I was thrilled by that. Um, so that's one little thing. Another thing is the Kowakian monkey lizard warned the Mandalorians of the pirates around the corner. <laughs> I just love that little bit. Just It was like, like well those creepy things at Salicious Crumb from uh, *You Know Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, when he's in the trees, they're a they, little point, And you're like, huh. And it just... That's just one of those. That's like a rebellion kind of thing. That's like when rebels go to a planet and the Empire are invading, and just a, a, some natural creature gives them a little nudge and a little hint. I liked that. And the other thing I liked um, was uh, right at the very end, the not post-credits but post-credit scene, is that Carson Teva's droid R7, which I think is the most advanced R series we've seen. I think I can't remember what they were in the sequel trilogy. They didn't really delve into technology or new ships or anything in the sequel trilogy. But R7, it's basically R2D2, but he's got a little probe thing. Because it's the bit that stuck out of the the Dagobah swamp from uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back that gets detached and gets sent off, and I was like, "That's just a really cool idea." I really liked that. So, is there any? There were just a few little bits and pieces I want to throw out. Is there anything else either of you want to mention on either anything I've said or any last sort of uh, thoughts on this episode or anything like that before we start to wrap up?
1: Uh, Ike. Have uh, I think one thing I was gonna say is mm. you mentioned the droid there. Um is how um I can never think of his name, the New Republic pilot. Um Costantiva. how he yeah, how he finds the Mandalorian um covert is mm. because of R five. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was because he's like yeah, I I served with the or you guys have a rebel that I served with or something. They all like looked at each other like what, and then like R five rolled out. I was like, okay, that's a pretty cool callback. And I thought that was a neat like neat callback and a neat way they made that happen. Um, and that sort of thing, which I thought was initially cool when Mandal- Mando got R five, hmm. um, in episode one and all that. Um, so but yeah, I just thought that was a cool callback
0: yeah it is and uh, for anyone uh, who is unaware R5 is the droid that almost got sold to uh, Owen Lars in A New Hope and then his regulator went and went up in smoke and then they bought R2 and there's actually in canon there's a book called A Certain Point of View and R2-D2 and R5 actually had a conversation and R2 says to R5 I need to stick with this the protocol droid I've got something that I can't really talk about but this is crucial to the rebellion and R5 was like but I want a home I, w- I want to do something I've been on the, of the <laughs> sand crawler for ages and r 2 is like please anything you can do and then r5 it's very 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 heavily insinuated that r5 intentionally blows up his own thing just so r2 can be with 3po and go of luke so that's a little thing that's like a deep cut but so r5 saved the universe pretty much yeah pretty much
2: and it's funny
1: that's what star wars sums down to r5 <laughs> Yeah,
2: gonna <laughs> <laughs> so have like a badge or t-shirt r5 saved everything pretty proper, much proper chaos proper chaos theory um <laughs> Uh the only the only thing I, you guys were talking about the beskar and uh, and uh, moth um Gideon being taken um I think that's not uh, I don't think Mandalorians have done it I think it's a frame job okay because within the show within this episode in fact Jinjarin says oh we make ourselves very hard to find no one will ever find us we we're, we're the best at not being found so why would they leave beskar behind that's my thing. That's a very good point. They yeah. wouldn't leave any Beskar because it's precious to them. It's, it's a religious artifact to them. It's personal. Mm-hmm. So why yeah. would they leave even a small sliver of it behind? I yeah. don't. Th- and if you know, if we look at the armor and look at all these characters in the Mandalorian culture, no way. They, I think, someone is is actively working towards this, the Mandalorians, and and trying to get rid of them in some form. Um, whether it is actually Mandalorians, that are, you know, whether it's the armorer planting that Beskar to frame other Mandalorians or something else, or maybe jin- trying to get rid of uh, mm-hmm. Jinjarin or Bo-Katan, I don't know. But I, I guarantee that uh, a Mandalorian would not have left that Beskar behind. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Um, last thing I'll say, um, what you were saying about social commentary is absolutely true, Mike, because the prequel trilogy was all about the Trump, uh, not the Trump administration, but the Bush administration. George Lucas was making a point about how poorly that's run. Why are we in Iraq? Why are we doing this? Uh, why are we at war? You know, this isn't the mm. point. Just everything about that administration at the time, George, uh, George Lucas was entirely against. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> let's see all the political maneuvering in this film. Hmm. Does it have mm. any, does it have any link to the George Bush administration? George Bush Jr., rather. Mm. Um, maybe so maybe so so there's definitely you you are correct there's definitely social commentary you know weaved in throughout all of star wars and mm, yeah. you know and it's you know it's bound to be i think it's the same with any art
0: form but especially um what you were saying before absolutely but yeah very good point point. and with your mandalorian thing i've just uh, made another connection is is i hadn't thought about that perspective down of someone's planting it for the mandalorians and i think probably it would be whatever's going to become the first order Because what's the best way, you know, as shown in in the prequels and things like that, uh, you know, with Palpatine, what's the best way to take over the galaxy? Where you get the two main factions, you cause them to fight a war, and then while they're busy doing that, you do all these things underneath it all, put all these threads while no one's paying attention, then you stop the war, and then all the threads are already there, and you've you've done that. So people are probably going to be like, well, the Mandalorian seems to be the only person who could beat Moff Gideon, and the Mandalorians, um, because they know that Bo-Katan is at least alive, so they're like, okay... How do we get this new republic to fight the Mandalorians? How do we cause more dissonance? The empire destroyed, you know, Mandalorian culture. They're trying to rebuild. What's the worst thing that could happen to them? The new government thinks they're causing problems and they're the ones. So I, th- I think you're on the money there, Dan. I think that's a very, yeah. very good idea. And, um, I just want to say um, I'm going to share my screen quickly because I realized I was kind of being a bit of a dick um, by not looking up the Ralph Macquarie concept art, making people check um, the Rebels reviewed episode if they've not seen Star Wars Rebels. So I'm just going to share it with you guys quite right now. Okay. Here it is, um, and people on the video version ah. of YouTube see it. So this is the one of the original pieces of Mandal of Ralph uh, Macquarie's concept art for Star I've seen Wars. That, yeah, it's incredible. And the funny thing is, there's a droid in Rebels called Chopper, and he's got a weird little arm thing like that R two units got. Oh yeah, and that thing in the middle is a Lasat. So, and also the funny thing in Rebels is that Lasats are often confused with Wookiees because. The LoSart original concept art became Wookies and things, and there's also a droid that pops up in Reb in Rebels that's a bit more similar to this protocol droid than three mm. PO kind of style yeah. protocol droid. But yeah, I, I always love to show people this because Rebels is, and I'll stop sharing there. So, uh, but Rebels is one of those things where. They use so much of the unused concept art to create new characters and things in there, and I, it's a little out of universe thing that I just I just adore. So I want to I want to throw that in there too. But I think we've been chatting now for a long time, and <laughs> I feel like we're gonna if we don't wrap this up, we're gonna keep talking. It's <laughs> almost been two hours, and talking to both yes. of you has been incredible. It's it's such an amazing conversation to have on an episode. I was thinking, yeah, we'll talk about this episode for an hour or so. Easily could surpass two hours, but we'll start to wrap up here because it's uh, it, it's just been such a good episode with so many deep dives in, so I really appreciate that. So we'll start with you, uh, Spider-Dan. Mm. Tell people any fi- final thoughts and things, but also tell people where they can find you. I'll put links in the description, and we'll start to wrap up here. I'm having a lot of fun
2: with The Mandalorian and uh, getting back into the Star Wars universe as well, Like in a, again, in a different Format in a different kind of style and take. As much as I love Dandor, I'm I'm enjoying this on a on a different level. Um, and Obi wan I enjoyed again, not perfect, but also was a pretty pretty solid show. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, you can find me on all of the good uh, internet places. In fact, right now, if you Google the word Spider-Dan. The first thing you'll see on Google is my website. Ba-ba-da. That's amazing. I know it's great. It's <laughs> crazy. But, don't ask me how it happened, but it's it's happened. Now. It's your amazing content <laughs> and all your um, big yeah. audience that's there always got you. Go. you. <laughs> there we are. I, I, I'm even above the the famous guy who used to climb skyscrapers and stuff. Dan Goodwin. He was also known as Spider Dan because he's a climber, um, and he's awesome in his own right. Um, but yeah, uh, just in the last few days, it kind of I was I was the third ranking, and then I've I've jumped up two rankings for some reason. But there's some suggestive videos and stuff. So if you just want to put in Spider Man. Spider Dan, you'll see a lot of my stuff and all the links. The website's great; that's got it's the hub for all the activity and all the links for all the social media, which is Spider and the Secret Bores. Com. That's B-O-R-E-S. Um, but yeah, Mike's on there. He's he's done some shows. We've done shows together. We've done Disney discussions. Uh, we're going to be doing more of those. Uh, we talked about um, some Spider-Man comics, some Carnage stuff, some Venom stuff, um, and all the other great people from uh, Comics in Motion and the FemOn Collective and all the other amazing podcasts that, that we're connected to have all got their own little stuff going on. I highly recommend it. I'm on a. I'm on a newsletter um, from Paul. Super Dummy Paul has put a newsletter together. Uh, I, as much as possible, try and put content in, but sometimes it doesn't happen. And so check that out. Again, that will keep you up to date on what we're all doing, what's coming next. Uh, my last episode had um, me, Tonya, and Ria on, talking about some vampire films. We were comparing the two vampire films. And I think we're going to just... Next time they're on, we're just going to continually do vampire content because oh. that's seemingly what they want to do. We've heard, you know, some other people are like, "I'd be up for that." So I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So we're going to be doing more vampire content when we're together uh, because Tonya said I'm not allowed to do it with anyone else. So, uh, so that's it have ah. to do it with her now.
0: Well, um, make sure yeah. you do Daybreakers then, because Daybreakers is my favourite vampire film, and it's so weird and different to any other vampire film, and a lot of people hate it. It uh, is weird and different. <sighs> Willem Dafoe's not great in it, I will say. he's, he's got He's like, oh, there's a guy who's southern. Let's do every line of dialogue that comes out of his mouth some sort of reference to yeah. barbecuing. It's like, uh, okay, I, that's <laughs> terrible. But the concept... Uh, yeah. The concept there's, there's, is brilliant. The stuff I like about it. The stuff I like about it. The stuff I thought. I
2: thought the curing of the vampires was very convoluted. Was that like, what, yeah,
0: it's a bit weak. But yeah, the idea like, wow. of a society almost yeah. purely of vampires—that's. I love that idea. Mm. I think the idea carries the film probably better than the film does.
2: Well, well, there's there's many films out there where the concept you're like this concept is great. This is uh, this is great. The idea is great, but then the film is like you know um, you're like oh they had a good idea they just didn't follow up with a good script um, but there you are there you are but uh, yeah com. check it out uh, there'll be more stuff coming up some really good stuff and, uh, and Mike will be on very soon as well uh, we've got some a very weird film from what I imagine that we're going to talk about oh yes
0: go- and that's going to be in, in person as well so you're going to yes, come down live. stay with me and Megan for a little while <laughs> and uh yeah we're gonna watch a couple of really bizarre movies one of them is the weirdest movie i've ever seen in my life i think it's gonna compete with the other two weird films that you've had on it's not gonna it's not like cannibal holocaust it's not got some there's no horrendous brutal murder animal scene thank god Mm. but there's a lot of weirdness i did i did warn people about that one i was like if you yeah, I can't I can't even tell Megan what animal gets no, killed in that because no. she would get upset just knowing. Yeah, it was not an easy watch. Um
2: I'm I'm glad I did it in historical context, but it's not a film I will go back to anytime soon. But no. there you are. But on a lighter
0: note, I <laughs> <laughs> your content. Tell us what how people find you, one or two of your most recent episodes, what you've got coming up, just plug yourself.
1: Yeah. Um so first off, I agree with Spider Dan. I i loved his uh theory that somebody is framing the Mandalorians, so I think that's gonna happen. Um and also I'm gonna throw this out here. Just do it. No context well, maybe some context, but no no thoughts afterwards. I I'll let you guys think on it. But is I do I have wondered and I threw this out, I was talking to my brother um I think in an episode probably back in February there, but we were talking about how like I would wonder if we're gonna get like um, Admiral Pride or somebody like that show up, um, mm. in one of these that has like connection from the Empire to the First Order and kind of thread all that together. So, um, I gotta be cool. I don't know if that'll happen, but good job. Um, Or that's who Moff Gideon is answering to, or some something along those lines. Mm. Um, so. Just throw that out there. Um, but, yeah, you guys can find me, uh, I Flame, a Star Wars story on Instagram, TikTok, um, anywhere you guys find podcasts. We're um, hanging out. Um, and we just, yeah, we love to connect with you guys, um, talk Star Wars. Uh, like I said, we do a lot of deep dives. Um, actually, since Bad Batch and Mandalorian, we've been doing uh episode reviews which is actually the first time i've done episode reviews on my podcast um so that's been a little bit different change of pace which has been fun um and also we're coming up on a year of my podcast so that's super exciting we did episode 50 a couple weeks ago with my brother um we just basically all we did was we ranked our top 50 star wars characters between two of us and um that was a lot of fun um so yeah so we're doing that so here in the coming weeks Uh, next week we'll have bad batch season in review and then we got mandalorian review um coming up as well um and so yeah a lot of fun stuff and then yeah definitely between shows we do a lot of deep dives into star wars characters um whether that's Thrawn and others. So, um, and try to do the best we can to connect it to current things coming out as well. So yeah, so that's Ike's Flame, a
0: Star Wars story. And I said, TikTok, Instagram, you guys can find us absolutely amazing yeah i would recommend people check it out and it can be it's one of those shows where it's incredible kudos for doing this for a year me and dan are old men when it comes to podcasting because i think we've both you and i've been doing it for almost the same amount of time haven't we i think so i'm coming up for six years in september i'm five years in november Yeah. So it's only, you know, a little difference. You add your two together and you get me. Yay. Not in real (laughs) life. Um, But both of your content is both incredible in in different ways, but really, really great. So anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you enjoyed this and you see the kind of conversations that we have, the three of us together, and the kind of ideas that come from these two, just check out the podcast. And Ike's Flame is a great one where you can go back to episode one and kind of go from there and you see how you know you grow as a podcaster and things because as we all do you know I tell people not to go back and listen to episode one <laughs> of me like great idea same, great concept same. like you listen to episode one and it was like should you ever punch a Nazi and it's like that's a great concept and the show is not bad by any stretch but you just hear the difference of how I was back yeah. then and how long it's taken me to get used yeah. to stop interrupting my guests and waffling at the start for like 40 minutes before getting <laughs> I, to the I, d-
2: point I, I, don't, I don't know I kind of disagree with that Mike I really enjoyed when you were just openly just burp and leave it in your podcast that was
0: one of my favorite things it's horrible it's just like anyway yeah because i just took no notes at any point of just like oh i should edit this i was like i'll just put it together you know this is just a tester thing for me for a little while see how i feel and now i'm like you know nearly six years later and it's like (sighs) listening back to like episode 15 where i speak for eight minutes before the episode even starts to tell you what happens in the episode. And I'm like, why did I do that? Friends of mine told me, why are you doing this? Tony said, you know, your intros are a bit long. I was like, no, no, they're meant to be that way. And he was like, okay, you do you. And I was like, I should have listened to him. Why? He's being so polite. He's being so polite about it. But realistically, he was saying, Mike, they're a bit long. And if Tony's being Crack kind to saying they're a bit long, it's someone else going, Chloe, just shorten them, you dick. Uh, so it took me years to figure that out. But with Ike, you don't have such a... With with me and Dan, we did. We were in like the... We were doing... Uh, I haven't listened to Dan's earliest episode, so I can't comment. It's only because you said it, Dan, about yourself. But for me, I'm like, you can go back and listen to the old episodes. Probably start the new stuff and work your way back. Don't start at the start. Mm. Ike, however start at the start and go through because there's so many characters and cool things he develops and his early stuff is not as rough as mine is so <laughs> please go for that check out both dan and ike's uh, podcasts because they are both fantastic and listen to them and leave reviews for them on spotify awesome. or rate them on spotify and leave reviews for them on apple Podcasts. good pods share the love you know make connections and things because that's part of the reason i love doing these discussion shows is just trying to get cool people mm-hmm. together to talk about obviously star wars the thing i love but also the other things that come to it so just Thank you both so much for being on the show. You can find me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. And Genuine Chit Chat is on every podcast app, I think. Most of them, at very least. and my show uh, Star Wars Comics in Canon you never have to have read a Star Wars comic in your entire life to enjoy the show I go through the plot details and I go through many connections along the way of characters that reappear and other content that it connects to those sorts of things so please go check that out and next week I'm going to be at Star Wars Celebration so next week myself and Megan are going to be recording in a hotel room uh, just the two of us I don't even know if there's going to be video or not because we'll figure (laughs) that out but um, I will be doing sort of uh, after each day I'm going to be doing a bit of recording and just talking about the kind of stuff I've through in the day, so it's a nice little bonus to what people usually get, and this Mandalorian episode as well. That will be, you know, out for everyone to listen to. And myself and Megan will be doing one. Mm-hmm. But thank you both so much for joining me on this journey one of the best discussion episodes I've done ever of the Star Wars wow. stuff from and/or series two of Mandalorian, the Kenobi stuff, Book of Boba Fett. This was an incredible deep dive, and it's going to be hard to top that next week with me and Megan. So, <laughs> and she doesn't listen to these, so she's not going to know that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> So just, I, I personally think the Megan podcasts are the best ones so a lot of people say that A lot. That's, of, that's why I've kept most of our podcasts together just to Patreon because people are like I mm. love hearing from Megan I want more so yeah you got to pay for that I'm afraid hey, friends <laughs> <laughs> she comes in the Disney discussions which you get like once every few months and that's it it's like you, you need to put her behind a paywall <laughs> but friends thank you uh, everyone thank you for listening I appreciate you but Dan and Ike thank you so much for making the time especially chatting with me for two hours it's been an mm. absolute delight so just thank yeah thank you so much. Thank you for the listeners. And as always, may the force be with you.